Okay, folks, sorry about that, and we are ready to roll. Um, nothing, it's nothing like a little bit of adversity to get us going into, into morning. So like I said earlier, my name is Brice Pelle. I'm a mobile specialist here at AWS, and I'm joined with my partner, Sam Patcher. He's a solution architect here, and we both um, work quite a bit into mobile space. So what we want to talk about today is um, how you can really speed up your development with um, Amplify, especially when it comes to native mobile development. So things that we want to cover today are what is Amplify, right? We want to talk about what it does, how it's different from other um, technologies, other libraries, other SDKs that you may have used out there. Um, we want to look at what we announced this week around Amplify for iOS and Android. Talk a little bit about the data store functionality that we also introduced. Um, look at predictions. And of course, it wouldn't be a good session if we didn't have demos, so we'll do a little bit of that. So just a show of hand here, how many people have heard about AWS Amplify before? Ah, awesome. That is actually a pretty good number, so I'm glad to see that uh, people have experience with it. And for those that are not super familiar with it, we'll spend just a little bit of time going into what that, that is. So when you think about AWS Amplify, it's actually a couple of things. And the way you can think about it is looking at it as a set, uh, a set of two different components. So you've got the Amplify framework. So this is the framework that you can use to quickly get started with implementation. You've got a CLI that is essentially your toolkit, your command line interface that you can use to quickly provision uh, your resources into cloud. So you don't have a lot of time, spend a lot of time reinventing the wheel every time you want to push resources into cloud. And then to go along with the resources that you have into cloud to interact with those, we provide client libraries as well. This is really important, right? So uh, we want to make sure, Amplify makes sure that you've got the right tool to write libraries to quickly get started with things that are important for you, like authentication, or if you want to interact with a GraphQL server, or if you want to interact with something like API Gateway, or even just get files from your uh, cloud storage. And then we also provide UI components, right? So things like doing authentication, right? So most apps today, if you're going to have them, you're going to have users, you're going to have user interactions, you're going to want to authenticate folks. Um, but a lot of time, just implementing things like simple authentication can be complicated, right? So we provide uh, UI components that out of the box allows you to do things like authentication and authorization without having to spend a ton of that time on that. And then to, de to develop, we also have things like the console for CICD and hosting. So if you want to deploy a mobile web application and uh, take it to production, we have the Amplify console that can help you do that really easily. And if you want to test your native applications or your PWAs, we have Device Farm that allows you to test your application on real devices running into cloud. So we're not talking about emulators here, we're talking about actual devices that are racked up that you can use into cloud, you pay uh, on demand as you go for that service. So a couple of things about the Amplify framework. First of all, the thing to note is that it's an open source project. So you can go on GitHub, go to AWS Amplify on GitHub, look at the project, it's completely open source. We have a team that works full-time on this project that maintains it. Um, but, right, it's, it's available to you, it's flexible, you can customize that as well. It, it is an opinionated framework. And so let me explain a little bit what we mean by that. Is, so we're essentially kind of taking a stance as to how we want the framework to work. Right, We're bringing a lot of our best practices, a lot of our experience, a lot of the conversations that we've had with customers and baking that into the framework to help you uh, develop a, a, lot, a lot quicker. It's based around categories um, and a high level uh, amount of abstractions, which we'll talk a little bit about when we look at the native libraries. But essentially the concept here is that we want to prescribe behaviors into categories right, and leave the implementation uh, up to um, specific plugins to actually deliver to functionality, right? So you can have a category around API that kind of prescribes the behavior, what's expected from the category, uh, but doesn't necessarily provide the implementation. Now, with Amplify, we do provide a set of plugins to work with those categories, but you're also free to bring your own plugins. So that's one of the strengths of the framework. Um, the framework is declarative, right? So that's in comparison to something that would be imperative. So we're really focused on the use cases. Right, help you do something quickly. So if you want to upload something to S3, for example, right, we want to have a simple, simple operation to do that compared to something like an SDK that is imperative where you would have to actually specify every single little detail, right? And both of those are good, but in a lot of cases, when we look at the most common scenarios, having a declarative framework, a declarative library really helps. Um, like I said, we bring our best practices. 
And we also provide, uh, provide escape hatches, right? So it is an opinionated framework. But in case for some reason you want to do things differently, we do provide escape hatches so that you can implement your own, um, uh, implement your own functionality, whether that be how you deploy stuff to the cloud or how you use the different components that we provide. Um, we, provide we, we allow you to do that. So talking about the capabilities, there are a lot of them that we support today. Um, some of the stuff that we int introduced, uh, announced yesterday, uh, was Data Store. So this is a brand new, uh, totally different way of interacting with your data um, um, into cloud. We also introduced prediction that allows you to do AI and ML easily from um, your clients. And we'll look at how you can do that on, uh, with native application, especially on iOS. And then we have categories that we've had for quite a bit of time, things like analytics, API, that allows you to inter easily interact with GraphQL or API Gateway. We have Auth that provides authentication and authorization capabilities, interact interactions for push notifications, uh, pops up functionality, functionality, and so on. And interacting with those, all those capabilities is really simple when you use the CLI, to amplify CLI. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the CLI is, like I mentioned, uh, command line interface. It's really a toolkit that allows you to create and manage your resources into cloud easily, right? So with just a couple of command lines, the CLI walks you through a couple of options and allows you to deploy things into cloud quickly, right? Instead of you having to write your own uh, script, your own cloud formation templates, the CLI kind of takes all of the best practices, what we've learned about deploying things into cloud, and allows you to configure that quickly. Uh, it's based around the categories that uh, I mentioned um, earlier, so you can use it to configure your APIs, your authentication, and your storage. It also allows you to work in multiple environments, and this is really useful if you uh, have a team of multiple developers. If you want to work on the same project, but you want to work with different cloud environments, right? So you may have a team that's doing something uh, for feature A and another team that's doing something for feature B, and you want to work the same project but in two different cloud environments. And then you may have an integration environment where you bring everything together for end-to-end -end testing um, before you push to production. So it allows you to easily do that. One of the other uh, powerful features of the CLI is the GraphQL transform. So for those that are familiar with GraphQL, um, to start interacting with a GraphQL API, you have to provide it a schema. And after you provide a schema, you usually have to figure out how you're going to implement your resolvers, how you're going to tie in your data sources. And you know, this is a really important work, but it's also kind of complex work if you're not uh, very familiar with uh, interacting with GraphQL and defining schemas. So the GraphQL transform allows you to write minimal schemas with a set of directives that then generate a fully functional, um, functional and compliant GraphQL schema that you can then deploy to AWS AppSync, which is our managed GraphQL service. So just with a couple of lines of code, with a minimal schema, with um, a set of directives that we provide, you can have a fully functional API, really in the matter, in, in the matter of minutes. And then the CLI is also extensible. So I talked about the fact that it's an open source project. And to make it extensible, we provide a plugin functionality. So right now, we provide categories for API, for example. But you may have a couple of things that don't necessarily fit into categories that we provide. You may have a project with a couple of engineers, and you have typical use cases that are repeated over and over again. And you want to standardize that behavior. Well, in that case, you may want to write a plugin that, you're going to, that you can share with the rest of your team. So the categories that I already talked about, off, analytics, those are the same that you saw earlier. And one thing that you'll notice is that the categories that we have into CLI match the categories that we have into library. So once you've deployed something into cloud, once you've deployed your, that API into cloud, you can then easily interact with it in your uh, client application using the library. So what's a typical workflow if, you're going, if you would, were to use the CLI? Well, it's fairly easy. The first thing that you would do that I don't show here is you, you would have to ins install to amplify, to amplify CLI, but that's fairly easy. Install that with, with NPM. Then you would go into your project directory and you would actually do uh, amplify init. So this is the first thing that you do in your project directory. You actually initialize the directory and that marks the, the, your, your project directory as an amplify project. After that, adding functionality to your project is fairly simple. So here you see that the first thing that I'm doing is amplify add off. So this adds authentication capabilities to your project. 
When you do Amplify Add Auth, the CLI will actually walk you through a series of steps and ask you a couple of questions to, to allow you to configure your, your authentication provider. The one that we provide out of the box is Cognito, uh, Amazon Cognito. So it will walk you through setting up Cognito, setting up a user pool. And if you use Federation, if you use Social Federation, it will also walk you through setting that up. So it's pretty powerful and you can have that out of the box. I then do Amplify Push, and that pushes my configuration to the cloud. I can modify my authentication after I've pushed it by doing Amplify Configure Off. I can remove it by doing Amplify Remove Off. And then when I'm done with my project, I can simply call Amplify Delete. So that deletes my project into the cloud. It doesn't touch your project um, uh, in your GitHub repo or on your local machine. What Amplify Delete is going to do is delete your resources into, in, into cloud. If you've got multiple environments, that's easy to do as, as well, that's uh, provided by the CLI. You can simply call Amplify Env for environment add, and that will add an environment. So it will kind of create a completely separate environment for the work that you're currently doing, and will then proceed to deploy your resources into cloud specific to that environment. You can see the environments that exist for the project by doing Amplify Env list. You can check out an existing environment by doing Amplify Env checkout, and when you are done with, a, with an environment, similarly to what you would do if you were working on a feature branch, if you were using a Git flow, uh, for example, you can just do amplify and remove after you've merged back your, your changing, changes to your feature branch or to your master branch. So that's the amplify CLI. Let's talk a little bit about the client libraries. So we provide a couple of libraries that helps you connect your and interact with your cloud services in your application. There's a lot of different platforms that we support. So we've had to amplify libraries for um, about a year, maybe a couple of months now. And we initially came out with support for JavaScript libraries. Um, so if you've ever done any React work, React Native work, if you've done work with Vue or with, um, uh, yeah, with, with, Vue or with Angular, you, you may have used one of our libraries. So what we announced yesterday was support for native um, platforms like iOS and Android. Um, and it's also category-based, right? So we really focused on the fact that we want to allow you to bring in and only use the categories that you need. And so what we've done is we've taken a lot of the things that we've learned from writing these libraries from, on the JavaScript side, and we're taking a lot of those learnings into um, the native implementation. So a lot of the good things that you've seen on the JavaScript side with our libraries, you're going to see as well on um, the native side. Just a quick moment to talk about what, the, what an amp, amplify, the Amplify library is and how it differs from an SDK. So I mentioned earlier that the Amplify library is essentially a declarative framework, right? And what that means by that is that we're really focused on use cases, right? We're not really focused on low-level implementation. We want to focus on use cases that are pertinent to the uh, front-end developers, right? So we provide these declarative abstractions. For example, if I need to put something in an S3 bucket, we want to be able to do something as simple as storage put, end of story, right? And this differs from the SDK, where you get, which is an imperative framework. Um, and what that means is that you've got to specify um, every single thing that you want to do, right? You've got to specify um, how you set up the SDK, you've got to specify your permissions, you've got to specify the environment. Um, so it takes a lot more work with, to interact with the SDK. Right? And the SDKs are typically uh, generated from the APIs that we provide. Right? So again, S3, you, we have the S3 transfer utility upload expression that you've got to configure. And that matches um, well with the APIs that are provided by the S3 service. And both have their uses. So even when you use the Amplify uh, libraries, that doesn't mean that there's not a place for the um, SDK. You may have something that is really specific that needs to be done that cannot be covered by the Amplify library. So you should, be, uh, you should feel comfortable uh, mixing and matching the Amplify library with the AWS mobile SDK and using the SDK as an escape hatch or to do something specific that is not covered by the, uh, by the library. Okay, so this brings us to the Amplify iOS and uh, for iOS and Android. Um, so this was announced yesterday. And the goal with this is really to allow uh, developers to quickly get started 
with, um, with uh, mobile development on the native platforms. So what we've done for this is we've actually released, and I think we released this today. You can go and um, check some of these repos out on, uh, on GitHub if you look for Amplify-iOS, uh, and if you look for Amplify-Android, uh, you'll find some information about that on, on GitHub. But we're essentially releasing CocoaPod. Some of those will be released uh, a bit later uh, this month. Um, but to get started with them is really easy. You just need to specify to pods, uh, amplify tools, amp uh, amplify, and then you specify to plugins that you want to use, right? Remember that we are focused around category behaviors, but we have the plugins to essentially implement those behaviors. Um, and then in your code, you would simply import amplify, and then you see that setting up a storage-to-storage -storage plugin is pretty easy. You set up the storage plugin, and you add it to, add it to the amplify client. Right, and from that point on, you can simply call amplify storage put data, specify the key, specify the, the, the data, and specify your upload options. So it's fairly easy to get started. There's not a lot of configuration um, that needs to be done. On the Android side, it's the same thing, um, but this time around for the Android um, uh, implementation, we actually provide a Gradle plugin that you can use. Um, so you can simply import uh, the, the plugin and apply it to your project. And we'll walk through how you can do that through, uh, in a demo in a little bit. Um, but that is it. And once you uh, apply this plugin, it's actually going to make available to you a couple of tasks in your project. And the task is going to allow you to easily create schemas if you want to interact with uh, um, uh, AWS AppSync. It also is going to let, um, provide you a task to push your Amplify configuration to the cloud. So this is how it would look on the Android side. Import Amplify and um, import um, some storage uh, functionality. So here we have the storage access level. The storage access level can be used to figure out if you, um, uh, how we want to protect the data that we're uploading to S3. So if you're familiar with Amplify, we provide some uh, protected level, we provide a private level. A protected level means that our users of the, of the library can uh, upload data to an S3 bucket and any other user can read that data. They don't have access to delete or change the data, but they can actually read the objects that are uploaded to the, to the S3 bucket. So you, again here, we do Amplify Add Plugin, specify the AWS S3 storage plugin, um, and then simply call Amplify Storage Download File. We specify the path, specify where we want to store the file once we've downloaded it, uh, and then specify the, the, the options. And uh, throughout the code, you'll see that we use to build a concept quite a bit. So we have a builder that we use to specify the access level, the target identity ID. So if I want to see files from, for another user, I can simply provide his identity ID if I have the permissions to do that. And then I call build. And then I specify the result listener. And when I went to uh, upload, uh, to download uh, completes, my result listener is then uh, invoked and I can uh, interact with, with the result. So fairly straightforward to do storage and to do API. So I'm going to wrap it up here for iOS and Android, and I'm going to hand it over to Sam to talk a little bit about Data Store. All right, hello everyone. So what we released yesterday, uh, alongside with our SDKs, uh, or sorry, our libraries, um, was the uh, two new things. So we first released something called Amplify Data Store. So when a lot of customers come to us when they want to use uh, GraphQL or AppSync, uh, what they see is that they want to be able to uh, provide this way of having local storage and offline mode, but they also have this problem of how do I get this content to sync between the two of them? Because obviously you have to handle like conflicts, you have to deal with um, auto-merging, and all these sorts of different like conflicts when you have offline mode enabled. So what we did is we decided to wrap up uh, AppSync into something called Amplify Data Store, which actually now uh, on your local device will handle those merges or it will handle it in the cloud and it will have those conflict resolutions defined for you. So it's very easy to use and it's very declarative as all of Amplify is. What's super nice about this is we do automatic versioning as well for you and all these sorts of different uh, like common use cases with offline that just a lot of customers don't want to handle with. So if you want to have a little bit more declarative than just having an API, data store is kind of what you want to go for. The other thing we're introducing this week was Amplify Predictions. So a lot of customers come to us and they say that I need to have my app do this or that for AI ML. Well, what we wanted to do was provide an easy way to access the AI ML resources on AWS. 
A lot of times you have to have an IAM user to be able to access these uh, resources for like recognition or translate. So what we're gonna be doing uh, is that we actually generate these uh, STS tokens for you and then we're able to access uh, the AI ML services on Amazon. There is no machine learning experience required to use these uh, services. Uh, if you've used any of them, all you have to do for recognition is upload a photo and then request information back, like what labels do I have or what text is in the image. It's very easy to do, and then what we wanted to do is abstract it away, and now you have only a few lines of code to upload these images. We also have support for custom models as well. So if you have uh, some more like niche use cases with uh, AI ML, you can also like import your own um, uh, SageMaker models and be able to uh, use those as well. We're also taking advantage uh, on iOS of the core uh, ML vision framework supported by iOS. So what's super nice about the core ML uh, vision framework is that, say for example, you are offline, you still want to provide labels on an image, you can do so using the iOS uh, like library that's built in, and so that way you don't have to worry about it. There's a lot of other different things that we're, uh, we added as well, including a uh, GraphQL transform that he talked about uh, earlier called predictions that uh, is also enabled on our uh, CLI. So there's a lot of different use cases that we uh, support today. We support everything from translating your text, text-to-speech, text recognition from images, uh, doing labeling of real-world objects, interpretation of text, uploading images for automatic training, and so on and so forth. So talking a little bit more about iOS, uh, so what we have is we have our, like, our abstractions of go ahead, if you want to have your own custom models, you can run it on SageMaker. Finally, we have our core uh, ML models. You have access to all those as well. Uh, through our predictions category. So say, for example, I want to run it on the core ML vision framework to actually uh, give me labels back for my image instead of running on recognition, you can have an escape hatch to go do so. And then finally, we also have access to everything that's on AWS as well for uh, AI ML. So we have poly, we have transcribe, translate, and so on and so forth. So you have a lot of different access for all those. But as much as I, you guys love me talking up here about what we can do, let's show you guys kind of what is actually possible with a demo. So what I'm gonna dive into is some code here of, first of all, how to do predictions. So let me just give me a few seconds while I put my laptop on. All right, uh, hopefully everyone can see my screen here. So what we have here is a basic uh, Xcode app. Um, inside the Xcode app, we have a storyboard that literally links to three separate uh, pages. We have one for uh, translate, we have one for uh, actually getting labels on an image, and then finally an API one with the simple table view. Um, to actually take a look at what it looks like on their simulator, we have translate, it goes over here, we have a label image, and then we have a typical table view. All these right now are not hooked up at all, and we're gonna show you how easy it is to hook it all up and be able to actually translate some text and uh, actually do some uh, labeling of an image. And then uh, if we have some time, I'll also show you API. So first, what we're gonna do is we're gonna add in uh, our translate. So to do so, first of all, we have to configure a few things that I've already configured for us. Um, first thing I had to configure is uh, all of our plugins that um, Brees mentioned already. So, I added our plugins for predictions and our plugin for API to actually allow Amplify to be aware that yes, we are using these plugins. We can choose which plugins we want to enable and which plugins we do not want to enable in a sense. Makes the package size of your app a lot smaller by doing this as well. The other thing I've also enabled by, uh, by default as well is I've also added uh, login and authentication already. So just, just be aware when you actually see the app itself, you'll see log out up here. I've already logged in. Uh, Brees will talk a little bit more about the authentication piece, but I've already enabled it on my app. So that's pretty much an overview of what's already enabled in the app. So we're actually, let's dive into uh, translating some text. So the first thing you have to do is import uh, Amplify at the very top of the project. And then let's actually just call Amplify dot, and what you notice is that immediately we actually have access to everything that we want. So for example, we have Amplify.predictions, and then we actually can look through all the different supported uh, things through dot predictions. So what we want to do is we want to obviously translate some text. So you want to say, uh, learn how to speak Spanish. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a convert text to speech here, and we're going to provide some options. So, oh wait, not text to speech, sorry. 
convert, and then we're going to do uh, uh, translation. Sorry about that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to first do uh, get the text from our input text box that we've already hooked up. So we can just do that with uh, input text box text. And then next we have to provide a language that we're inputting it. So for right now, we know that we're going to speak English, so we're going to choose English. Now our target language, this is where we actually choose where, what language we want to translate to. So today we're just going to choose uh, Spanish, as that is one that I've, I've made sure I, I can semi-understand. And then after that, we have a listener. So the listener is what happens after the event fires. So print is a callback for those that are familiar with JavaScript. But pretty much what happens inside here is, is a uh, queue, a dispatch queue that pretty much sits around and waits for the API call to come back and then returns back the event with the information, whether it's an error, successful, and so forth, so forth. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna say that this is an event. Since obviously you guys don't wanna watch me write a bunch of switch case statements, I've already kind of uh, pre-programmed some switch case statements here, but we'll walk through what we did. So what I did here is pretty much says, uh, in the event of we have a dot completed, and once it completes, we want to actually get the result from the completed uh, variable, and then from the completed variable, we'll then just set the text box uh, to the result text. So let's compile this and take a look at what actually happened. So we build succeeded, that means I didn't screw anything up yet. So, all right, so now we have our hello, and then it automatically tells hola. But let's say hello reinvent. This is a new test. And we click go. Gives it a few seconds to go call out to our API to make sure that uh, we get our, our text translated, and then we wait for that to come back, and then we'll get a uh, translated text for that. If I'm connected to the internet, that is. Oh, yes, I did. Thank you. I'm supposed to put it in the translate button, not the, uh, the view did load. There we go, perfect. Now we compile, and we run successfully, and there we go. So we go translate, we're gonna say hello everyone. This is a test. And then we hit go, and boom. We get translated text back right from uh, Amazon Translate. So that's how we get translate done. Now let's show you how to do labels. Labels is really cool because of the fact that not only can we uh, label from AWS recognition, but we're also gonna be able to do it from Core ML. And I'll show you how easy it is to do both, and that way you guys have access to both of them. So first thing we have over here is in our label view is we have a label image. Uh, this function is literally called after we open an image picker, choose our image, and then we display the image. So what we're gonna add here is we're gonna do uh, amplify.predictions uh, again. And then instead of doing convert, we're gonna do identify. So we're gonna choose identify, and then we're gonna provide the URL to the, of the image to it. So what we wanna do is we want to uh, provide a, uh, what do we actually want to identify? So we're gonna choose detect labels. And then for labels, we just want to do labels. Uh, you can choose all if you want uh, all labels to return back, and then uh, some labels, uh, it filters out some of the labels. The URL, we already have the image URL from the, uh, the image picker, so we're just gonna go ahead and dump that right in. Then finally, we have the listener again, so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna have it call defend again, and then afterwards, I'm just gonna, don't want you to watch me write all these great uh, switch cases, so I'm just gonna um, type that in right here, and boom. So what we have here is what, uh, we actually output the data as a result, and then what we do is we get an array back of all the different labels. What we're gonna notice is uh, I have this function called beautify outputs that actually is gonna uh, transform that into a, uh, like a string for us that we actually can understand. So it'll tell us what the label is and then tell us the confidence uh, that it thinks that this label exists. So I have some images already stored on my uh, device here on my computer. Oh, build failed, okay. Ah, yes, I need to, uh, there we go. So we have our, our images already on the device, so we can select an image. Say, for example, we want to, uh, went hiking this weekend, and I took a picture of a waterfall. I'm gonna choose my waterfall picture here, and I'm gonna hit choose, 
it's going to say loading, and then it's going to return back all the different things that it thinks is in the image. So obviously, there's water because it's a waterfall picture, but other things it thinks is in there is rivers, outdoors, it's nature, and so on and so forth. So you can see the confidence that it thinks that these are actually available in this image, and so on and so forth. And this is right from recognition. But say, for example, I, I lose network uh, or something like that, and I want to do this offline using uh, AM, or Apple's uh, Core ML. I can easily do so by providing an options uh, thing. So I already have the options defined up here, but we'll walk through what they have. So what we have up here is you have all these different options. So we have predictions, options of uh, telling us if it's offline, online, or both. Um, and so what you can do is you can define it saying that I want to have offline as the way that we actually get our labels. And by defining it as offline, we'll use Apple's core ML. So what we have to do here is we add an options here, and then we say uh, options. Then we should be able to compile. And now, when we upload an image, We'll choose a different image, one of my other uh, hiking trips. And we'll choose that, and then it returns back with the core ML results that Apple thinks is in this uh, um, image. So you'll see that it's outdoors, we have land, we have liquid and water, and super nice about this is this runs all on the device. So you're getting those results straight from them. Uh, if you don't decide what options or not, we actually will call both core ML as well as recognition and get back both results for you, and then merge the results. Uh, so that way we can kind of, uh, take advantage of both the fact that recognition is running the uh, model as well as Apple's uh, core ML model. So with that, that's kind of our predictions category. Now we have time to kind of go over a quick uh, API introduction and Brees will do a little bit more in depth on API. So with API, uh, we have my uh, table view. Uh, with our table view, uh, it's an empty array right now of our to-do that I've created beforehand. And what I did is I used the Amplify CLI to do so. so if you all can see my terminal here that I have up, in this project, I have an Amplify project already initiated with a bunch of different resources in it. So if I run Amplify status, it'll tell me all the different resources that I've currently added to my, uh, my app. In my app, I have my authentication, I have my uh, API, and I have two different predictions for both translating as well as identifying labels. So from this, we're able to then uh, say, all right, cool, I have my API enabled, and I have my auth, and here's my GraphQL endpoint. But something that we also do for you is we actually generate a lot of code for you. So what we actually generate for you is we generate a model, in a sense, a structure that have for that to-do API. So you can see that we have uh, ID, your name, a description already defined, as well as a schema that then tells us what is optional, what's not optional from the GraphQL schema. This is all automatically generated, and you don't have to write any of this. This is actually provided by the actual Amplify CLI. Other things that's provided by the Amplify CLI is how we actually access these resources. So for example, for our API, we actually have our endpoint defined in here already. So that way we don't have to copy that URL over and import it into our app. It automatically dynamically updates, and so you can take advantage of that easily. So diving back into our thing, now that we have our to-do model that we generated from our Amplify CLI, we can now actually uh, go ahead and query for all of our to-dos that I've, I've put into my DynamoDB table. So what I can do is here is I can just call Amplify and then API instead of predictions, and then I run uh, query. And then from query, I then have to provide a few different things. So I can query by model, I can just, uh, and then I can query by ID if I want to get a specific ID, or I can query for just a list. I can get whatever I want out of it. So for this one, I don't want it by ID. I want to query for uh, like a, uh, a where or a query predicate and the query predicate is gonna be nil because we want all of our events back. So for the model, we just say to do.self. The query predicate, we don't want it, so we're, we can just literally return it as null. And then once again, we have our listener. So this listener waits for us to come back and say, all right, we have our things, we're ready to rock and roll. So we can say this is an event again, and inside the event, we actually have to write some code. So in this code, uh, once again, we just write some more switch statements to handle if it's a failure, if it's not a failure, and if it completed, what is our results? So, all right, so get, oh, nope. Sorry, I'm just trying to pull my code up real quick. So 
So what I, I have here is I have this entire uh, switch case uh, for if it completed, and then if it completes, we then store the results, and then we're, uh, we actually then can use those results to actually uh, be able to uh, get information out of it. So for example, for this one, we uh, store the to-dos in, uh, in the array for a data source, and then we are able to use and manipulate them as we see fit. So for example, a data store, you're able to take advantage of it and just render the entire uh, table view, and then that way you now have all your, your uh, calls from your API. So I think I chose the wrong snippet here, but we can work with that. So um, from the uh, results, we have our success, we have our to-do, so uh, this is successfully created, but since we don't need that, we want the other one. We'll just replace this here with the correct one. So we want to do list right here. And then so what we do is, if you can see, we then reload the table. And so if we were to run it right now, I have a few things inserted in my table. You will see that we are actually are getting back a full, uh, full list of all the different events that I have going on. So we had a release of Amplify Video, or Amplify Native, I have my two Unicorn Flakes presentations, and so on and so forth. And that's how easy it is to return back and have an authenticated API call to AWS's uh, AppSync. So with that, I'm gonna hand it off to uh, Brees to talk to you a little bit more about some of the unique things about API, including subscriptions and mutations, but that's kinda how you do some queries on uh, uh, iOS. Awesome, thank you. So as you saw, it's really easy to get started with the declarative API. Um, so that was for iOS, and so I'm gonna spend a little bit of time going over what that looks like on, on, um, for Android. see my screen here, locate my mouse. All right, so this is really small for me, but we will work with it. All right, so I'm trying to make my screen bigger here. Let's see if I can. I'm gonna start off by starting my emulator. And so we have a simple application that's running um, on top of So one of the things that um, we talked about implementing was authentication. And so when my application starts up, the first thing that comes up is an authentication screen. And I essentially had to write three lines of code to make this happen. This is one of the components that we provide out of the box for Android that lets you do authentication. So it does a lot of work in the background, but you actually have to do very little coding to make that happen. Let me just sign up here. I've already created a user and I'm simply gonna sign in. So when it signs in, it simply displays a list of tasks. And it's getting that from um, our AppSync backend. I can add a task by simply going here, saying new task, at reinvent. And I can also attach a picture. And what this is going to do, it's going to upload my task um, with, through uh, AWS AppSync using a DynamoDB backend, and at the same time, it's going to upload this image to um, S3. Do this, it's very simple, it uploads here, and we can go um, on and on. But so let's look at what that looks like um, in, into code. And this is looking really small for me, so give me one second. I'm going to change my view to make this a bit more visible. 
Okay, hopefully you can see that. Um, so first of all, the requirements. What do you need to get um, started with this? Um, well, it's very, fa fairly simple. I can go in my, build, uh, my project build.gradle, and there's just a couple of things that I need to um, include. The first thing that you need is the, to specify that you want to use the Maven Central as one of the repositories, and then add um, your Amplify fra Framework tool Gradle plugin. It's currently in beta, um, but we'll, this will make uh, all of the functionality of the native library available to you. Uh, once you've done that, um, you want to make sure that you apply to plugin. You want to make sure that you apply to plugin, and then in your app build.gradle uh, file, you simply want to make sure that you um, include the implementation. Now, I'm using um, the libraries from my own project. I'm using the, the GitHub project here as my base. Um, but at, when, if you use the libraries as provided by, by Maven, you can simply call um, to use the implementation aws-api because I want to use the API, um, aws-storage-s3 to use the S3 functionality, and also um, core. This has the core uh, functionality. Let me see if I can make this bigger for everybody. Um, so this has the core functionality. And once you've done that, it will make available a couple of things to you. So when you go into your task, you will see an Amplify push and an Amplify mod gen. So the Amplify mod gen is what is going to take your schema that you have and transform that into, um, and do some auto generation that is going to provide some classes that you can inter easily interact with. So the good thing about these classes is that they work out of the box with, um, the AWS API, but they will also work with data store. So if you get familiar with working with these classes with um, the AWS API, you will be able to use the same classes when you use data store. So let's take a look at what that looks like. So for example, you see that I was adding some tasks in my application, and so you get a task class here, and this is all auto-generated. So anytime that you update your schema and you run to CodeGen, the CodeGen will actually parse the schema, look at all of the types that you declare, look at all of the fields that you declare, and then auto-generate um, some code. So the neat thing about that is that you can really just get started with a schema, and once you've got your schema, it deploys an API and then you, um, creates the auto-generates the, the tasks, the, the classes. So there's very little that needs to be done to get started. Now, if I go to my application, go to my source code, and it's a very simple uh, application. Um, I have a main activity, and this is where my um, authentication actually happens. So when my application gets started, I simply call to AWS Mobile get instance, AWS Mobile client, I get an instance, and I simply ask it for the user details. And if I see that the user is not signed in, this is where I check it. I say user detail, get user state, and check if he's signed out. If the user is signed out, we simply call a method called sign in. And in the sign in, we call the AWS mobile client, we call get instance, and we simply do, do show sign in. And this is simply going to overlay the layout that you saw on top of your current activity and show the login screen. So this is uh, functionality that we've had um, for quite a while now. Um, when we were talking to our customers, one of the major pain points that they were looking to solve when it came to doing implementation on iOS and Android is authentication and authorization. So we've had this functionality for a while. And you can keep on using this functionality um, that comes with the AWS uh, mobile client uh, alongside with um, the new Amplify libraries. Let's look at what was going on in our app, uh, application. So there is a card list. This is where all our cards get listed. And to get our cards, it's um, fairly simple. It's the same thing that Sam showed on, on the um, iOS side. We simply call amplifyapi.query. We specify here the, um, the data source that we want to use, the API that we want to use. So we can have multiple APIs configured, and then we can specify which API we actually want to interact with. So here I want to uh, interact with my Amplify data source. Um, so if I look in my configuration file, you can see that I have API plugin, AWS Amplify, Amplify data source. And so this has all the information about my API. Once I've, because I've passed this information, it's available to use um, right away. 
and this is where we do that. So this is our application. Uh, when the application is created, we simply call Amplify Add Plugin, specify to API Plugin, specify to S3 Plugin, and then we uh, configure uh, Amplify with the current context. And what happens in Tabac is that our uh, libraries are actually, uh, actually going to go and read this file, read to JSON configuration, and then provision all of the classes, provision all of the APIs, provision to S3 layer um, that your uh, Amplify client is then going to be able to interact with. So this is automatically done. Just by doing an Amplify push, this Amplify configuration file is generated, and then by doing Amplify configure into code, you've got all of that functionality available to you. So I do a query, I specify the task, uh, the task class, so that my query knows how to populate the data. Um, and then I simply uh, specify a result listener that will get a GraphQL response that has a um, uh, bunch of tasks. And then I simply, when the um, result returns asynchronously, I simply get to iterator and I add all of the tasks um, to the list of cards that I'm displaying. So uh, fairly simple. And then I'm using a recycler view, so once I update the, um, the adapter, when I update the list that has been um, that is being used by the adapter, I simply notify it of a data state change. So fairly simple. And the cool thing here is that I didn't have to take the data that was returned by my API and do any type of transformation or load it into a task. That is loaded into an object. That is done automatically um, by the, the API. Um, let's look at how what subscri subscriptions look like. So I have a query. This is how uh, my activity gets started with a query. Um, but right afterwards, I subscribe to changes. I'm again subscribing to Amplify Data Source. I specify to subscription type, so I want to get all the subscription um, anytime there's a create. And then I use a stream listener to keep on listening to um, um, to these uh, for these no notifications. So let's say I was to go in my AppSync console. And I'm simply going to go into the console, and I'm going to create, and I'm going to write a, a, a quick mutation. So mutation create task, then do create task. And one of the cool things about the, uh, the console here is that it does a lot of the autocomplete for you. So I'm creating a task uh, from here, description from the console. And then I want to see the ID. The ID is auto-generated when you create the task, the title, and the description. Um, let me move this here, go back to my emulator, and uh, let's see what happens. So I'm using an API key. Run it. And you can see here automatically, hello from the console popped up, right? So again, subscription is super easy to use, and it returns exactly to the information that you specified into specific class that has been um, um, auto-generated. So really easy to use. Um, then, as you saw in the demo here, I'm also using S3, uh, uh, the S3 functionality. And again, this is done by using um, the storage category from Amplify. So if we go back to my configuration file, you'll see that I'm also using the storage plugin, right? It's storage plugin, S3 storage plugin, right? So to get that functionality, all I had to do in my CLI is do amplify add storage, right? I already have storage, so I'm not gonna do it again, but you see here that it walks you through the different options that you can have. If I wanted to do content for S3, or I could do NoSQL database, and it would provision a DynamoDB table. But by doing that and pushing that to the cloud, I didn't have that functionality. And then uploading, um, uploading an image or a file to S3 is then really simple. I have a function here called upload file, and I simply interact with amplify.storage.upload file. I specified the name, the path, uh, the name of the file, the path where I want to store it, store it, and I then create a storage load file options um, to specify where I exactly want to put it. So I want to put it under a protected folder um, to make sure that only the right people have access to the file. And that's it. So I really just have to specify, specify three, uh, three things, the name, the path, and, and the options about where I want to store it. And then I can just listen for the result, right? So I provide a result listener that returns a um, um, storage upload file result. 
And really, all the storage upload file wizard pro provides is the key, just to make sure that you've got the key uh, and that you know where the object was stored. But that's it. It's really three lines of code. Um, and then when the object is returned, here I was adding an, uh, an object. I reset my preview, and then I go back to my previous um, to my previous um, to my previous um, activity. So that's what is done here. So let's take a look at that again. Can add a task. Select take a picture. Simply add to task. Oops. Something went wrong there, but I said do add to task. And you see that I have it here. Um, and then fetching to data from S3 is really just as simple. If I go back to my card list, um, really easy to do. If I look for amplify.storage, all I do again is say that I want to download a file, specify the path, which is essentially where the file is in the bucket that is being used by the application, and then specify where I want to store it in my, um, uh, for my application. So I do an external files, um, uh, get external files, specify the directory for the pictures, and then specify where I want to put it. Um, and that's it. Specify, again, to download options. Um, I know that my file was under a protected folder, so I want to specify protected. And then when I get the results, I simply get the result. I can do get file, um, do two URI, and, URI, and um, uh, get the URI as a, as a string, and set my image view to the URI. So, so that's it. It's really a couple of lines of code. I don't have to deal with the transfer utility or um, anything really low level um, at the SDK to do this. These are common patterns that are done quite a bit um, in mobile applications. So um, I think that's all we had for the, for the demo. Um, as you can see, it's really easy to get started with, uh, with Amplify and with, with the library. Um, we just released all of this material um, either early this morning or uh, late last night. So this is all brand new. Um, there's going to be additional functionality that we release um, for, the, uh, for native for both iOS and Android. Um, so make sure to keep an eye on the, the repos. Uh, take a look at github.com slash AWS Amplify where all of the information is, is located. Um, so they'll, and uh, you know, stay tuned for additional announcements because I think we've got a lot more going on in that space. If you've got any feedback on the libraries, um, things, functionality that you would want to see into libraries, please let us know. We definitely listen to customer feedback and that's how we, uh, we uh, figure out what we need to um, focus on. So thank you. <laughs>